welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Thank you so much, Beecher. Thank you so much, Aiden. That is, that is powerful. That was a wonderful song. All right, in one minute here, I'm about to encourage our children to come down for children's church, but before they do that, and as they do that, I have a picture I want to put up here on the screen. I want you all to see, and I want all the children to make sure they walk by and read my little sign. And there's the little sign there, because we're going to talk about this morning. So we're going to follow Miss Danielle, the children's church, and this is where we go. So if you're a child, I have a big candy bowl right here, and if you're able to read, I want you to read my sign. All right, all children want to come right down through here and see what, um, see what we have. Any children want to go to children's church? Miss Danielle, you'll stand up and raise your hand. And children, y'all come back by and you can read my sign. You can grab a piece if you want. I'll read it. It says, be aware. One of these pieces of candy has poison in it. Only one, only one piece, David, has candy or has poison in it. You can actually take more than one if you want. Well, no, we don't, no, Benjamin, we don't really want. We take the whole bowl. Boys, y'all want to come get some? Now, there is poison in this candy. It's true. All right, and we're going to follow. After you get your candy, if you want to take your chances, you want to f- follow Miss Danielle right down here to Children's Church. And parents, you will pick up your children a- afterwards um, in room C1 downstairs. Now, I'm preaching on temptation. But this sign here, so let's go back to that. Let's go back to that uh, picture there. Now, we think of the devil, but I don't believe that's how the devil presents temptation to us. That's not temptation at all. In fact, I believe if the devil, or the tempter as he is called, was going to have a sign in front of candy, It wouldn't ever use the word poison. He doesn't use language like that. Now, it might have poison in it, and the tempter does put poison, but this is what he would say. He would say, if you eat this candy, your life will be better. Now, that's a better presentation. What if I put a sign right there, say, if you eat this candy, your life, it's just going to be better. Just better across anything. And that is how temptation presents us. Words poison, evil, bad, that's never used by the devil. Why would we ever use a negative word if you're trying to get someone to sin, to lure them into temptation? The tempter doesn't talk about poison. He never references the consequences. It's going to be a positive presentation. And in many ways, this sermon, instead of calling it tempted, I should call it something better. Because that's what temptation is presented as. The tempter is presenting something better in yours and mine life. No one has ever come to me, and I know no one has ever come to you and made this statement. They've never come to me and says, you know what, Pastor, I'd like to wreck my life. Pastor, I want to destroy my family. People just don't come and say those things. 
Nobody comes and says, I'd like to become an addict. That sounds fun to be part of. That is not at all. Now, that's a consequence of something better, but that's not initially whatsoever how temptation is presented to us. Do you know, I think about the names for Satan. And there's a reason why I want to focus on the tempter. Because you think about the names for Satan. These are biblical names for the devil. The devil, he's also called the ancient serpent. He presents himself, the Bible says, as the angel of light. The wicked one, the god of this age. Lucifer, that's out of Isaiah chapter 14. The adversary, Belzebub, that was during Jesus' time. The Antichrist, that's in the... um, the book of Revelation, also the book of 1 John. The father of lies, that's what Jesus referred to the devil as. And one that I think we don't need to overlook, and what we're going to focus on these next three weeks, is what the Bible calls, and it actually can be translated this way, the tempter. And that's what we're going to be looking at here. So I want you to open up your Bible to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to also look at Genesis chapter 3. The tempter here, he tempts us with hooks, decoys, empty promises. You're always on the verge of wrecking your life. Did y'all realize that? You're always on the verge. You're just one or two, three decisions of way, of many way of ruining so many aspects of your life. You know, the tempter comes to us and he claims to offer something better than wherever you're at. That is what temptation is. You look at your life and where your state is at, and he's saying, if you do this, if you believe this, if you accept this, you will be better. And we're going to read the story here of when temptation first occurred in the Bible and where sin entered. And what was it offered to Adam and Eve? It's being presented as something better. Adam and Eve were told, Eve was told, God is withholding something from you. Eve, you're not complete. There is something out there that God has not given to you. This is what all advertisement is about. If you purchase this product, if you begin thinking this way, you'll be complete. That is the essence of all temptation. You need this. And that's what Eve is going to be told. Now, background story here. Adam was created, the Bible says, from the dust of the earth, from the dirt, on the sixth day. And he named all the animals. And he looked at all the animals And he noticed there was not one, the Bible says, corresponding to him. All the animals were different. They weren't like Adam. Adam means man. Adam's the only man. And we're going to see how Eve is created from Adam. God has told Adam, not Eve, but he told Adam, there's all these trees in the Garden of Eden, but there's one tree, Adam, 
you're not going to be allowed, not permitted to eat from. I'm telling you, no, don't do it. And if you do it, you will die. So there's consequences. And this is where we get free will from. You might see a church called the Free Will Baptist Church, Free Will Methodist Church, that phrase, free will or free agency, whatever words you want to use, this freedom we have actually comes from the Garden of Eden. It comes from creation. And this is the ability for us as human beings to whether choose to obey or disobey God. And we daily make this decision. We wrestle with this freedom, this liberty that we have received from the Lord. God will allow us to wreck our lives. He won't stop us. He did not stop Adam and Eve from sinning. He could have, but they had the freedom to do that. And he allowed them to sin. And that's where we're going to pick up right here in our Bible. So you're going to turn to the very beginning here, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work and watch over it. God created us to work. We are not created to sit at home and watch TV and play on Facebook. You need to have instilled a work ethic inside of you. You grow up, you, you learn, you get education. God has put a desire in you for work. That is what the Lord's plan for us to do. Work is a good thing. The Lord worked for six days. He took the seventh day off. That's what we do. We do that in the Scriptures. There's nothing wrong with work with work. It's good. It comes from God. So he's working and watching over the garden. And the Lord commanded, and the Lord God commanded the man, you're free. This is where free will comes from, to eat from any of the trees in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the reason it's called that is because at this point they did not have this knowledge. They did not understand what sin was. There was only one Rule. One rule. And God says, on the day you eat from this tree, you will certainly die. It's not a maybe you will die. It's not you might die. Not You're going to die. For a fact, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve died. This is where death comes from. It comes from the garden. Then the Lord God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought it to the man, that's Adam, and see what he would call it. God allowed Adam to pick the name of every animal out there. So if you're wondering why is a giraffe called a giraffe, why is a rhinoceros called a rhinoceros, you can blame Adam for this. God doesn't, did not care what the names of the animals were, just, just name them. Whatever you want to call them, fine, Adam. It's your garden. These are your animals for you. And so they were bringing the, so Adam has a lot of work here to do. He's naming animals now. So, and it says, and brought each of the, to the man, and see what he would call it. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. But the man, but for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at this place. This is how Eve is being created. God opened up 
Adam's rib, opened up his body and took a rib, and he's going to form Eve from her, from him. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. So all of a sudden, God has created a woman from Adam. And presenting this woman, saying, hey, look, these other animals didn't quite correspond, but look at this one here, Adam. And the man said, this one, at last, it's like he's been waiting to get married a long time, is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one would be called woman, for she was taken from a man. I, I want you all to follow you. We live in cultural strangeness today. We have one man and one woman. Adam's not marrying animals. There's none of this bestiality going on. This is God is presenting a female to a male. This is God's plan for humanity. Very simple. It just goes with biology. Do you know this next Bible verse? If you ever know, if you've ever wondered about marriage or ever wonder how to counsel somebody in marriage or maybe you're having marital problems or maybe your children one day get married, this next Bible verse is the ultimate marriage Bible verse. All marriage is based on this Bible verse right here. It says, this is why a man leads his father and mother. That means, as you grow up, you are not to live at mama's house. That's not God's plan. You leave your parents' house, and what do you do? It says you bond with your wife. He bonds with his wife. That is marriage right there. That's a one man and one woman coming together, and look what happens when they bond. The two become one flesh. So all of a sudden, this is God performing the first marriage. Marriage comes from God. Marriage is an institution established by God. That's why I personally believe, although not everybody believes this, I think when folks get married, they should get married in church. Why? Because God created marriage. It comes you're standing before the Lord taking your vows. It's not for your family and friends, it's for God. This is totally a holy institution from the Lord. One man, one woman, one flesh. This is why divorce is so wrong. Because you're ripping apart what God has joined together. The one flesh relationship, one flesh marriage. And it says, both the man and his wife were naked, yet they felt no shame. They had no clothes on. Nobody wore any clothes initially. We're running around. We got married. There's no shame. Nobody has told us we're missing coverings around our body. That is what the Garden of Eden was like. That's it. Two naked folks running around. Don't eat from the one tree. Just obey God. One rule. Just do whatever you want. You can play with the animals, whatever. Have a great time, Adam and Eve. This did not last very long. This is a picture of what heaven will be like. Heaven for us, if you're saved, heaven is a restoration of the Garden of Eden. This was perfection. But in heaven, the tree of knowledge of good and evil will not be there. It's going to have everything you want except for this one tree. So then here we are. Here comes the temptation. Now the serpent. This is the devil. The Bible refers to the serpent as the ancient serpent. So we know that 
somehow the devil was a, took the form or was a walking, at this point, a walking snake. The snake walked. We know that because he was cursed and God made the snake crawl on his belly. So the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals. That word cunning there means he was crafty. He was more um, knowledgeable. He had an agenda. There was an angle he was going to take things. And this is what cunning people, this is what sin does to us. I want to warn you, whenever someone asks you a question and it has the word really in it, and it's a question, beware. It's like having a sign with poison on it, on your candy. So this cunning creature is going to approach the woman. He's going to come to Eve. And the reason why he approached Eve is because, remember, God told Adam not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Eve had not been created yet. So it was Adam's responsibility to teach his wife about the Lord. Eve, God said, do not eat from this tree. You have one rule. Whatever you do, don't eat from this tree. Do anything else you want to. So by Adam not teaching his wife, we're seeing how sin is going to come into this world. And I'm going to show you that. So this cunning creature comes of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? There you go. Once you start going down that road, it's over. Does the Bible really say that's wrong? Are you really going to stay married? Is divorce really that bad? Is debt really bad? Once you use the word really... Yours have already started down the road of temptation. Because really means I've got to question this. Anytime someone comes to you and you throws the word really in a question, I mean, light bulbs should go off thinking, whoa, something is fishy. We all have learned, you have learned, if something seems fishy, if you smell a fish, do you know what that means? There's a dead fish. Something usually is. If you see red flags, if you see something doesn't seem right, almost always something is wrong. And here we are. Something is wrong with that question. That is a bad question. That question should send Eve running. That question is when you and I begin to question the Word of God. And once you start going down this road and you start questioning the Bible... And start saying, well, you know, that's, that's how it was back then. This was the context. Maybe there was some misunderstanding here or there. It's over. You can justify and rationalize anything when you begin to do this. This occurs all the time in our lives. All over the culture. We are a church. We are a believers. We are a body of Christ that's based on the inerrancy of the Word of God. Once you start removing certain verses and start uh, taking things out and try to put it in so-called context, you can come up with anything. You can slice up your Bible and believe whatever you want to with it. And this is what the devil is doing. He's questioning Eve. Did God really say you can't eat from the tree in the garden? 
The woman said to the serpent, you notice the question too, he attacked all the trees. He didn't, just, he didn't even single out the one tree. That's going back to the poison example. Satan doesn't go up and say, is there really one piece of poison in that candy? Do you really believe this? He would go up and go, Esther, can you, can you not eat the candy there? I mean, it sure does look good. And then Eve's going to quote what she has been taught, and she's going to mess up. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but about the fruit and the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You must not eat or touch it, or you will die. She added to God's word. God did not say you couldn't touch it. God had told Adam, Don't eat from it. So apparently Adam mistaught to his wife, saying, you can't just eat it, you can't even touch it. So she's adding to what she's not supposed to do. And look what the devil does here. Look what this ancient serpent, how he responds. No. You will not. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. And then he's going to give his reasoning for this. In fact, God knows these are all lies. That when you eat it, your eyes will be opened. Their eyes were open, so there was actually some truth to that. Their eyes, was open, their eyes were open towards sin. And you will be like God. They will not be like God because God does not sin. God is a holy, perfect God. God has not disobeyed. He doesn't break His word. He doesn't break His promises. So we are not like God when we sin. Knowing good and evil. And look what the woman does. She's listening to this. Listening to the sales pitch. The devil told her, Eve, you're missing something. There's something better. God is withholding something from you. And you should be ashamed. And you should be angry at the Lord for doing this. Can you believe your life? Can you believe you're not receiving this blessing? What does God know that you don't know? And I, the serpent, am here to enlighten you to what you need to do. You need to eat from this tree. You need to take the candy. You need to do what you want. The root of all temptation in our life is this God is withholding a blessing from me. I'm missing something in my life. And if I do this, I will be fulfilled. Folks, do you all follow me on this? This is why this is so important to understand. Think about when you're struggling with temptation. You feel, I need this. Because it will make me happy. Or you just fill in the blank, whatever it will be. And look what occurs here. The Bible says, in verse 6, the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. I don't know how she's rash. I mean, she, at this point, you know, one of the things with temptation is temptation involves, in many ways, when you sin, it's very intelligent. It's not spur of the moment. I mean, she's looking at that fruit. Well, it does look good, and I am hungry, conveniently. And this is delightful food. All the other food's a little dirty, but this is nice, shiny food right here. Delightful to look at. And it's desirable for obtaining wisdom. It comes with a bonus. 
Do you see how this was, in her mind, an intelligent decision? She's believing everything the devil said. I'm going to be wise like the Lord. It fulfills my need of hunger. And not only that, it's beautiful. It's just good looking. This is good fruit. I need this. So what does she do? So she took some of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband. Look, he was right there the whole time. He's just sitting there watching the show. Say, well, you're right, Eve. He did not stop his wife. He didn't yank her inside, throw her down, say, whoa, we don't need to be talking to the snake. We don't even need to be standing near this tree. Why are we here in the middle of the garden? What are you doing, Eve? This is the two have become one flesh. Yet the husband did not stop his wife. In fact, he didn't stop her. He joins in with the sin. Says her husband who is with her, he eats it. He ate it too. If your spouse is going down this road, someone need, you need to pull a fire alarm says, no, Adam didn't stop you, but I'm going to stop you. You stop your children. You do whatever you can. Stop your grandchildren. By not us failing to stop, we are actually just going along with the temptation and sin here. If you are in a home and you know there's immorality going on, husband, wife, parent, grandparent, what are you doing to stop it? We just can't accept it and say, well, that's just, that's just how it's going to be. Children these days are different. That's how God made them. No. Adam is just as guilty as Eve because he failed to stop. And God is calling us we too need to be more bold than Adam. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked. So all of a sudden, now they know they have no clothes on. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Do you know, Eve here is going down this road, and she's thinking, what is God keeping from me? Adam picks up on that type of thinking. What is God withholding from me? And if I don't get it, I will take it myself. We won't turn there, but I want to share what Jesus spoke about this. After he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, the Bible says, was hungry. He was starving, matter of fact, because he was a man. And it says the tempter approached him. He was in the wilderness. The tempter comes to him and he says, Jesus, I know you're hungry. You see these rocks over here? I know you have the ability to do this because you're hungry and you deserve this food. You turn those stones into bread and you'll have something to eat. And he quotes an Old Testament Bible verse of Deuteronomy 8.3 and Jesus said, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. When he says that, what Jesus is telling us is that if we are going about our lives trying to live on bread alone, we're not, we're not living the Lord. We're not living a life. Bread alone means you die. Bread alone doesn't fulfill 
Bread alone means the hunger returns. Every time you eat, a few hours later, you're hungry again. It never ends. God, Jesus, is saying, you not only have to live on bread, but you have to live on the Word of God. There is life. There is renewal. There is revival, personal revival, in obeying God. What does sin do? It breaks that personal revival. When you and I sin, and we give in to temptation, when we find ourselves wrestling with the same old habitual sins, we're saying, I'm trying to live on bread alone. And Jesus is saying, you can't break this. You can't achieve spiritual victory in your life with bread alone. You take bread, yes, we have to eat bread to stay alive, but you also eat, you live on obeying. What it means to live on the Word of God is you're obeying God. Eve disobeyed. Adam disobeyed God. And what happened? They died. Spiritual death comes from eating bread alone. We are surrounded by a city that lives on bread alone. And, and they can't make it. There's no hope. There's no promise. There's no spiritual victory. And God is speaking to you and I. And that temptation, he's, the Lord knows, says, God, Jesus knew he was hungry. He had been fast. He hadn't ate for 40 days. Satan knew to, where to appeal at him. He came at an angle. He meets us when we're at a vulnerable state. He meets us when we're physically exhausted. When we least expect it. He's coming off his 40-day fast. And who's, who's there to greet him? Lo and behold, the ancient serpent. Your old friend is right there to see you. Offering food. For our lives, what we see is temptation. It is so powerful in our lives because it's not about us. Do you know what temptation is really about? It's an assault on God. That's what temptation is. In many respects, when you have been saved and you've been converted to Christ, do you know temptation in your life will actually increase? Because the devil wants to disarm, disable you as a believer. He wants to put you on the sidelines. He wants, as I started this sermon, to wreck your life. Tying this all back around. And he knows if he can wreck the life of a believer, destroy any area of your life, your marriage, your family, addiction, pornography, adultery, whatever it is, financial ruin, however it is in your life, he has taken one believer and put them over here on the sidelines. And so much of our life, we have to view temptation. It's not about us. It's an attack on the Lord. We as believers, the Bible says, are children of God. We have the name Jesus written all over us. And that means you have a target by the devil who's going to come assault you. The devil, the ancient serpent, went after Adam and Eve because God told them what not to do. Don't eat from that tree. So what does he do? He's the father of lies. He's going to come right in and says, no, you should eat from the tree. It'd be great if you eat. Look at all the advantages from eating from the tree. That's what he does. He lies. Something better. This morning, 
this message of the next three weeks, God's speaking to you, and we're going to learn, and God is challenging you, and your commitment this morning is the saying, am I eating on bread alone, which means I will be tripped up in the garden just like Adam and Eve. She looked at how delightful that food looks, and it could meet her need. Or are you living on the Word of God? God is calling us as believers to be, live in obedience to Him. And you have to know your Bible. You have to study your Bible. You have to come to church and immerse yourself in the Scriptures. And not only that, after you do that, you live on, on obviously, real food, and then the food, what the Old Testament calls manna from the Lord. This morning, if you are being tempted, if you are wrestling with this, you don't want to overestimate temptation. Overestimating, overestimating it means you have a defeated attitude. That means you've just given up thinking, well, this is how God made me. I can't do anything about this. There's no hope for me in this. I guess I'll just struggle with this. I guess this is how my family's going to be. I guess this will be my state until I go to be with Jesus. That's overestimating temptation. Jesus came, and he did come, to break the curse of sin. He forgives us. He provides a way out. But I want to tell you, you can't underestimate temptation either. You will be tempted. You can't get to the point of pride where you think, I've got it. Been there, done that. I'm not going to give in to that. that. I'm not going to get tripped up. And we have to have, as believers, understanding that Christ can forgive us and free us of any bondage in our life, no matter what you're struggling with. But at the same time, there's another side that wherever you are at spiritually, you will fall. You can wreck your life. You can destroy your marriage. This morning, where are you at? Christ is speaking to you, saying, if you have never trusted me as your Savior, I can help you overcome temptation. Christ calls his people to see how dangerous and deadly giving in and yielding to temptation and if you have never received Jesus as your Savior, He tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians, no matter what we're struggling with, He always provides a, provides a way out. That's a side door. In Joseph's case in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 50, he ran away from temptation. He just got out of there. So this isn't for me to be here. And wherever you're at, the Lord is speaking to you. Some of you are wrestling with temptation. And God is saying, I can give you the strength. I have given you the strength. In many cases, you, your spouse is struggling with something. And you, you don't need to be like Adam. You need to come pull them away and say, No, family, this is not for you. We're not going to allow this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? Is Jesus Lord of your life? That's the first step to being a disciple and being able to see spiritual victory over demonic influence and forces in your life. Jesus saves. He saves from the power of this ancient serpent, also known as the tempter. If you've never done that, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now and get saved. I want you to bow your head. I'm going to say a prayer. And I want you to pray along. If you want to give your life to Christ this morning, I want you to make that commitment. Jesus Christ can save you from sin.
You bow your head and you pray along. Dear Jesus, I'm tired of struggling with temptation. Lord, I trust in you. Lord, forgive me. Lord, from this day on, I'm yours. Thank you for saving me. I'm going to live from you each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want you to look up. If you said that prayer, the Bible tells us you are saved. You've taken your life and you've trusted in Christ as your Savior. And he redeems you from the grip of the tempter. You no longer have to live a defeated Christian life. We're going to have our opportunity to respond. Jesus Christ calls us to publicly respond to him. We have this opportunity for you to do this. Myself, I stand out front. Normally I'm with Brother Hurt, but he's not here, as we know. So Zach Bauer will be standing down here with me. So we're going to stand together. This is your opportunity. And I know there's some of you who need to respond to the gospel. You come take my hand. You come take Zach's hand and say, I prayed that prayer and got saved this morning. Also, you can join our church at this point and become a member here of a wonderful church, such as Broadway. So Dave's going to lead us in a song. We're going to stand and sing.